0: amen where would we be without Christ and his living presence his spirit just the testimony of Christ in us the indwelling Lord and you know out of all the things that he's blessed us with though that we actually can hold on to that we can see that we can touch thank God for the church for the brethren that we can love one another and we can hug and Minister and help each other. But out of all the things that God's given us, I'm telling you, there's nothing that gives you more spiritual blessing than the Word of God. And today, you know, as we're looking, I want us to talk to us this morning about a message God put on my heart called God's Faithful Messenger. It comes out of 2 Timothy. There's a, a portion of what we're going to see that the Apostle Paul said, so that the message might be preached fully through me. If there was ever something missing in the church today, it is the understanding that unless the word of God is fully preached with all of its power and with all of its glory and the love of Christ, no one's going to be saved, no one's going to be changed, it doesn't matter what else we can have and build, that everything God does, he does in and through upon the foundation of his word. As a matter of fact, listen to what Peter said. No one gets saved without the word. And before we read, I want to share one quick passage with us that comes out of 1 Peter. I hadn't planned to read this, but God kind of, as we were singing, put this on my heart. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, How did you purify your souls? By obeying the truth. What is the word truth? The word is truth. And then Peter says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. How were we born again? How were we given new life? Through the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers And the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Everything about us, everything that we build is going to pass away. It's going to wither. It's going to, no matter what you think, everything that comes from us is temporary. But the word of the living God lives and abides forever. The apostle Paul is coming to the end of his life on earth. He's at the end of his time of ministry to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing to a young preacher who he has entrusted to take up the mantle, to take the baton of the gospel and follow after him named Timothy. He's writing this letter. This is the last letter that we know that Paul wrote. It is definitely the last letter that is inspired, that was put into the canon of Scripture. And he's writing and he's telling us in chapter 3 that, In the last days, perilous times will come. If we've ever been in the last of the last days, we're in them now. Amen? And Paul's at the very last of his days. He knows his time, his departure is at hand. And he's writing the last instruction that he'll give to Timothy, which is also the last instruction that he will give that will be recorded into the Word of God. And as we read this, this is what he's telling Timothy. This is what to do. This is the most important thing on Paul's heart if the gospel and the church and the kingdom of God is going to advance and make a difference in the world that Christ died to save. And he says, starting with me in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure at his hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescents for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. And when you come, the books, especially the parchments, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also, Timothy, must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And this is where I want you to catch. So that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. And to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. As Paul is closing, writing this last letter, the very last thing on his mind is that the Lord would strengthen him, would give him the continued enablement, the unnatural ability to preach that that message might fully be given through him. The last thing he told Timothy was preach the word, Timothy, in season and out of season. If there's ever been a time where the church needs the word of God, we live in it now more than ever. If there's ever something missing in most of our lives, it is the word of God. We each have a copy of the Bible that God has blessed you with. It's a bestseller, at least you ain't heard. It's the best-selling book in the history of mankind. You know, we got God with many titles. He's our creator. He's our father. He's our God. But he's got another title, and it's called author. And I don't know of a greater insult you'll ever give to God than to stand before him one day. And God said, I gave you a great book to read. It was a bestseller. What did you think about it? And you not have much to say because you've never much read it. You've never taken time to read it and study it. I don't know about you, but out of all the things that I can hold in my hand this morning, I love coming today. I didn't get to see y'all. I got hugs. I got to touch. I had people tell me they missed me. That's a wonderful thing. But none of that means nothing if it's not built upon the foundation of the God's word. Thank God for a place where we gathered this morning that we meet together as the church. But the church is nothing but another meeting of people if it's not built upon the foundation of God's word. And thank God for Jesus. And yes, it's so true as we sang that it it doesn't mean anything if he doesn't show up. But I'm going to tell you where God shows up consistently, He shows up wherever his word is proclaimed, wherever his word is cherished, and wherever there's a hunger for the truth of his word, God raises up messengers, and God gathers together people who are hungry for the truth, who want more than a religious weekend experience in the name of Jesus, who want a word from God that will speak into their life, that will transform them, that will show them who God is, and what He and only He can do in their life. That's what we need. We need not more church. We need more of Jesus. And to get more of Jesus, we need more of the Word of God. And if we're honest today, most of us, the only contact you will have with the Word of God all week and every week is this little bit you'll hear from me today. But you would think that if God gave us His Word, we would... Want more of it. That's why I believe even in Paul's day, Paul knew, Timothy, the greatest thing you can do for the church, the greatest thing you can do for the advancement of the kingdom is preach the Word. Preach it, Timothy, in season and out of season. Preach it when they want to hear it. Preach it when they don't want to hear it. Preach it when they like it. Preach it when they don't like it. Preach it when they say amen. Preach it when they say, oh, no. Oh, my. Preach it when they applaud it. Preach it when... They yawn and are bored by it. And there's nothing worse that could happen in a Christian's life than to become so dull-hearted and bored with the Word of God that you have no desire to read it, to study it, to know it, and to apply it in your life. I'm here today to tell you that the Word of God is what God has promised He will always bless. He, he, his greatest desire is to perform His Word In our life, when we believe it and we listen to it. But, guys, I want you to think about this. The Apostle Paul, right now, as he wrote these words, was near the very end of his life. These final statements reflect his struggles in his preaching the gospel of Jesus. And not only do you see his struggles, but these last thoughts revealed not only his burdens but also his blessings that came from a life surrendered and spent for the preaching of the gospel and the word of God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I don't know of a life that exemplifies better what it looks like and what it happens when you teach and preach the word of God we all believe in the gospel. We all, all would say, amen, brother. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. The message of the cross is foolishness to everyone who's perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Y'all all would amen that. You all say, yes, the Lord Jesus, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And through the preaching of his gospel, lives are changed and people are saved Sin is forgiven and eternal life is given as the free gift of God's grace. We'll all say that. But none of us believe it enough to go tell others about it. None of us are excited enough about it to really believe that their neighbor living next door to you or your possible loved one who lives with you who has no evidence of a relationship with Jesus needs to hear this wonderful good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And friends, Paul, if there ever was someone who sold out for the purpose of soul winning, it was the apostle Paul. I don't believe that we don't participate in sharing our faith that we're not involved with soul winning on a personal basis because we don't understand that the Bible says we're supposed to do it. Anyone who's saved, you want others saved. When people get saved, everyone's excited. When someone gives their heart to the Lord, it blesses us. It's the greatest thing that can happen on any given Sunday morning that someone, a sinner, repents and confesses his faith in Jesus and comes to the Lord. We all love to see it. We all praise God for it. It's not that you don't know and understand that's the greatest thing that can happen to a person, to be saved by the grace of God that comes from understanding knowledge of the truth of God's gospel. But we just go through life playing church and doing church stuff never, ever being God's faithful messengers. You see, I'm convinced that some of us have got to the point that we want to try to convince ourselves that we're not responsible to share God's word. But I want to think about this. God has called each of us to share our faith. As a matter of fact, if you never share your faith, you're not obedient to God. He has called us all to be involved in the evangelism process of sharing the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And if one of us thinks that sharing our faith is not something that we have to do because that's not my primary gift, I'm not called to do that. Friends, I don't know about you, but think about this. How many of you have the gift of giving? That God supernaturally has blessed you with an abundance of bunches of money. He's made you rich above, beyond the average person. And he's given you a heart that loves to help people and give to people. He didn't give that to everybody but how many people is expected to give this morning? How many is expected to give? You see, I give because God expects me to give, not because he gave me the extra ability and the gift to give. He commands me to give. He expects us to show mercy. Now, Diane's got a lot more mercy than me. And Diane shows that mercy. But even though I don't have that gift of mercy to the capacity that she has, I am still commanded to be merciful to everybody. And friends, you don't have to be called to preach. You don't have to be an evangelist to be given the burden of the gospel to give it away. He expects all of us. If you've been saved, you ought to be wanting your loved ones to be saved. You ought to be trying to tell others to be saved. The biggest sin in the church, my friend, is not what we think it is. The biggest sin in the church is our disobedience to the Great Commission to go and share the good news of Jesus and make disciples, to share what God has done in us and give it away. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, the Bible says. He's given you a testimony and we are to testify to the goodness of God and he's given you the greatest message that the world will ever hear the message of his son, that he died for them, that he gave his life for them, and that he was buried. But on the third day, he rose again, and now he lives for them to save them. It's not that hard. And friends, listen, Paul said, preach it, Timothy. Preach it in season, out of season. Preach it. You know why I believe we don't preach it, though? Because if you preach it, it's not all blessing. Thank God for people who get saved. Man, it's nothing better when you preach it and someone accepts it and they get saved. It's nothing better when you're a teacher of the Word of God and you're in a Sunday school class or even if you're teaching little children and then you get the aha moment. How many of you know what that's for? A true teacher of the Word of God lives, studies shows himself rightly dividing the word of truth, living a life need not be in the shame where he can be anointed so he can share the word of God and get to see people sitting out there and go get the aha moment. Yeah, I ain't never heard that. I ain't never seen that. I never saw that in that passage. But friends, let me tell you something. You'll never get to have the blessings of the gospel until you're willing to embrace and accept the burdens of the gospel. I want to show you something about soul winning. That's why the churches don't soul win. That's why the churches are not primarily worried about lost people and souls. The church is more worried about themselves and ministries that blesses them. They're more worried about spending money on themselves instead of the world. They're more worried about doing what blesses us, what grows us. Friends, listen, if you're going to be a soul winner, you're going to have to experience the burden of the gospel if you expect to ever get to experience the blessings of the gospel. And if there's anything we shun in the American church today, is burden. Friends, the Bible says right here, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. If you want to reap in joy, you're going to have to experience sowing in tears. Look at what he goes on and says, he who continually, goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. Friends, that's effort, that's laboring, that's weeping, that's, that's carrying a burden that brings tears into your life. Before you'll ever shed the tears of joy for a person being saved, you're going to carry the burden that that person is lost. And you're going to go through troubles. I don't know if you realize this, but everywhere Paul went, Paul experienced problems Not because of his sin, but because of his obedience to be a soul winner. Friends, listen to this. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for the sower, will one day doubtlessly come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Next to Jesus, no one seen more of a bountiful harvest from the preaching of the gospel than Paul but it came with a heavy cost, my friend. I want you to look at this letter we're looking at here. Here's the Apostle Paul, argumentatively the next greatest Christian next to Jesus. Everyone looks to Paul and says, what an example of Christianity. What a saint. What a soldier for Christ. We all think of Paul as the greatest apostle. And friends, listen, at the end of Paul's life, when Paul is finished preaching the gospel, I want you to see what he's down to. He's in a prison. He's by himself. Everyone, he says, has forsaken me. No one has stood with me except for Luke. Luke is here with me. He goes and he names. Let me tell you something. Not everybody that you share the good news with, not everyone that we minister to and witness to is going to bear fruit and bring a blessing into your life. As a matter of fact, if you get truly involved in soul winning and you're serious, you see, if you are going to teach children on Wednesday night, that's soul winning. If you're going to take a Sunday school class, that's soul winning. If you're going to be involved in any ministry in the church, if that ministry is not there, to primarily bring people to Jesus by sharing the gospel, your ministry is a waste of time and will not bring blessings into the kingdom of God. The advancement of the kingdom of God is dependent on the word of God. That means for men's ministry, for women's ministry, whatever we do, if we don't proclaim the gospel, if we're not planting the seed, if we're not bearing and carrying the burden of lost people, we're not going to see them saved. And friends, today this is the most boring thing for most people to hear in church because there's no interest in it. There's no burden for it. And friends, listen, this is why. Paul, whenever he went and preached the gospel, listen to what he says happened. Paul says in verse 9, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world, there's nothing that'll bring tears to your eyes worse than to share the gospel. Someone accept it. Someone come and begin to allow it to work in their life and then then just do what Jesus warned about. He said there is the soil that is the weedy soil, the, the soil that a person receives the word of God, but he allows the things of this life, the things of this world, to grow up around it and choke it down. Friends, that's what happened to this guy. He forsook the gospel. He forsook Paul for the things of the world. Friends, I'm here to tell you as a preacher, it'll break your heart when you share the gospel and someone comes and says, oh, I believe it. But when you watch their life, it bears no fruit because they're more of the world than they are of the kingdom. Their life is totally spiritually choked out because they are consumed with that's life instead of his life. They're more focused on church and what church can do for me than Jesus and what he has already done for you. And that's why you don't want to serve him in a sacrificial means. Friends, listen, Paul, when you look at him, his life embraced suffering for the gospel. His whole life, everywhere he went, Paul suffered so that he might proclaim the truth. And friends, because he embraced that burden, No one ever experienced the blessings that Paul experienced from the gospel. Listen to what he says right here. He told the church in Thessalonica, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, look at what he says, even after we had suffered and were spitefully treated at Philippi, what's he talking about? He said, we went to Philippi, we preached the gospel. First time it was ever preached in Europe, in Macedonia. He said, man, we go there, we find some ladies living down by the sea down by a river having a prayer meeting, we go preaching, Lydia gets saved. Then the next thing you know, he said, a slave girl gets saved and delivered. You know what happens? They put him in prison. Put him in prison because he's preaching the gospel. And friends, we know what happened while Paul was in prison. He didn't say, oh, woe is me. I've been put in jail. Oh, no, I'm having difficulties. Why would God let this happen to poor little old me? I'm an American Christian. I'm not supposed to suffer. But listen, he says, as you know, even though we were put in jail, even though we received stripes, even though we were put in the stocks, we didn't cry about it. We embraced it for the glory of God and we praised God at midnight and we sang hymns to him and we shook up through the power of God the whole jailhouse and God sent a presence that shook the whole building and all of those prisoners went to looking at Paul because they'd never seen anybody put in the stocks singing praise to God at midnight with this little crazy Jew. And when God shook him loose, he got loose and he began to share In much conflict, the gospel of Jesus. And what happened? The warden, the jailer got saved. Friends, everywhere Paul went, he experienced suffering for the gospel. And if you're going to be a church that's going to experience the blessings of the gospel, you better get ready to carry the burdens of the gospel. The world's going to come after you. The the government's going to come after you because the devil's going to come after you. But the reason we sit here comfortable today, more concerned with what songs we sang, what temperature the air condition is on, because that's what we worry about. We ain't worried about souls. We're not worried about Jesus and what he thinks of what we do here. We're worried about what you think we do here. That's why everything on our mind that comes out on every given Sunday It's about us and not about him. It's about us and not about them. Who is them? Everyone who hasn't heard. Everyone who's lost. Everyone who needs to be told the truth. And friends, look at what he says. We were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. You know why you don't have no conflict in your life? When's the last time you confronted somebody with the gospel? I ain't talking about inviting them to church. Tell them about a preacher. Tell them about the music. I'm talking about held their soul to the fire and said, do you know without Jesus you're going to go to hell? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you know what the gospel is? The thing we should be doing the most is the thing we do the least. And then we come here and we have our little religious weekend hobby of church, and we wonder why God ain't here. Friends, listen, if we spent all week doing what Paul did, sharing the gospel, telling lost people about Christ, we would see a major difference in what God done here at church. Listen to what Paul goes on and says in this text. He says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him to you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Paul's in prison but he's saying look I got Luke here with me go get Mark because he's still useful for ministry he's not saying come minister to me come get me out of this prison he's saying no bring them to me because I still do ministry I'm still able to serve the Lord listen what he goes on and says And Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come and the book's especially the parchments. You know what he said? I may be in prison. I may be coming to the end of my life, but bring me the Word of God so that I can study. Bring me the Word of God so I can still... I need a coat because it's cold in this dungeon and winter's coming, so please try to come before winter with the coat, but the main thing bring me is the Word of God. That's the kind of person God uses to share His message. That's the kind of person... Paul was. And friends, Paul is saying, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Why did he do him much harm? Because he greatly resisted our words. Friends, if you preach the gospel, there's going to be resistance to the truth because the darkness hates the light. And the gospel light is the only thing that can set captives free from darkness. It's the only thing that can set them free from hell and the devil. And the devil comes against it. But guess what? If you're not, when you're willing to carry that burden, to embrace that burden, you'll get to see the greatest blessing of all. But you see, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want... Paul was willing to embrace suffering over and over and over. You'll see it. Flip back with me to chapter 1. Look through this book, quick book right quick. Listen to what he says. He says to Timothy, I thank God who I'm served in chapter 1, verse 3, with a pure conscience. He said, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Look at what he says in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, he says, therefore I remind you to stir up this gift, the gift of God which is in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of sign man. That's not just for Paul and Timothy. That's for every one of us who are saved. God didn't just give us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of sound mind. Look at what he tells Timothy at verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me, Timothy, in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God man if there's anything we don't want to have anything to do with we avoid suffering we avoid discomfort we avoid anything that brings displeasure and difficulty into our life we won't suffer for Jesus we're all a bunch of liars and I'm the biggest one here this morning we're spoiled pampered we're the most blessed Christians that ever lived in the history of the church and we do less for the gospel than any church We ought to be the speakingest bunch they ever heard with how God has blessed us. But, guys, listen. Paul, here he is at the end of his life. And listen what he's saying. I just couldn't get over this when I began to read it. He says, Suffer with me. He said, I suffer as an evil even to the point of change. But the word of God is not changed. Therefore, I do all things. Friends, listen what he says at the end of our message. Paul says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Friends, you want to know why the Lord ain't with us the way he should be? The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Why? To help us build buildings? To help us build big budgets? To help us have nice programs? To help us have all these ministries that we think are so vital for us? No. He strengthened me so that what? so that the message might be fully preached through me. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but if you want God's power, everywhere I read, he says the Holy Spirit's primary purpose was coming, was to give us the power of God so that we might be his witnesses, not so that we might be his spiritual children. He gives us power to speak his word. And you know the biggest problem? Most of us are looking for the word. We want more of the word. We want God to bless us with the word, and you have no intentions of giving any of it away. Why would he give you more of what you don't even give away now? Friends, he will give you the word. You give it away, I promise you he'll give you more. He'll give you all kinds of But listen, not only did Paul willing to embrace suffering for the gospel, I want you to look at this. Paul was willing to endure afflictions to fulfill his ministry. It it blesses me whenever someone surrenders and submits and accepts a ministry responsibility in the church. And you know, when you first start something, when you first go to a church and you're the pastor, it's exciting because it's new and, 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 and it's all kind of things that are happening. But the longer you're there, the more you have to learn, there's things I have to endure. It's easy to endure for the Lord when everything's going wonderful, when everything's going the way you want it to. You know what happens when you take on a ministry responsibility to teach a Sunday school class or to minister to children or to keep nursery? <laughs> it doesn't take so long for you to figure out it ain't all blessings. A lot of it is burdens. And friends, the biggest problem in the church today is not that we don't believe and want to see blessings, but we don't want to deal with burdens. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to have to endure for the Lord. In this in context, Paul is going on his way to Jerusalem. He's at the end of his second missionary trip, and he's going back to all the churches, primarily Ephesus, philippi he's going back to corinth and here he's called all of the elders in ephesus to come because he knows that from everything the spirit is showing him that when he goes to jerusalem he's going to be in prison and he's going to suffer afflictions and so he calls them to him and he's speaking to them and he's reminding them and turn with me there right quick because i want us to look at this And this is an example of Paul throughout the book of Acts. When he gets there, he tells them, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, nothing that God has allowed to happen to me, nothing I've had to endure, nothing I've suffered for, moves me nothing can stop me I've made up my mind I don't count my life dear to myself my life is a sacrifice it's a surrendered life to God he says so that I may finish my race with joy and my ministry which I received from the Lord now listen what he's talking about when he gets there he goes to him and look at verse 17 of chapter 20 it says from Miletus Paul sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church And when they had come to him, he says to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. He says, from the day I came here, from the day y'all heard me preach the first time, from the day we planted the church, you know how I lived my life. Look how he lived his life in verse 20. How I, I mean, verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by plotting of the Jews. You know what? People today, if a preacher begins to get involved in ministry that brings trials, that brings persecution, that causes tears, they'll get rid of him. They'll say, God can't be in this. There's too much chaos. Friends, I don't know if you ever noticed yet, but everywhere God goes, anywhere he invades darkness, chaos is created by the gospel. Friends, we are so at peace in America that we've forgotten that one of the primary things that the church should be involved in is spiritual warfare. Listen what he goes on and says. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. Paul said, when I was there, you know from the day I came there, I served the Lord with humility, with many tears and trials that happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. And I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, that's what we should be doing. And look at what he says. And even now, that's what I did for three years. And even now, as I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, but except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every spirit city saying that the chains and tribulations await me. And we know from the rest of the book of Acts that when he went to Jerusalem, he was arrested. He was imprisoned, They tried to kill him just like they always did because of his preaching the gospel. Look at what he goes on and says. But none, verse 24, that's the verse. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and that I may receive the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And look at what he says, And now I know that you all among you I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. Paul saying, Well, I was here I preach to you the whole counsel of God's word. And friends, listen, Paul endured afflictions for the ministry. Everywhere it went, he had afflictions. You know, today, we have some things that for the first time in America are causing some things to happen. You'd think that because of what has went on with COVID, that it's given us excuse to never minister again. You'd think that because of how COVID has disrupted us, we have almost permission to just coast. You would think when you look around today that a lot of the churches today have forgotten that the most important thing about the church is not us, but out there. Friends, listen, Paul looked at his life. Not only did he embrace suffering for the gospel, not only was he unwilling to endure afflictions, but I want you to think about this. Paul envisioned his life. He saw his life as a living sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul said, my life, it exists. It is surrendered for the advancement of the gospel to the point that when he got put in jail in Philippi, he's writing to Philippi, he's in jail in Rome. (laughs) He finally gets to Rome. He's arrested. He's put in jail and he's chained to a Roman soldier. Paul writes to Philippi and says, don't worry about me. I'm all right. As a matter of fact, what happened to me has turned out, my brothers, the things that are happening have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. They're actually a blessing. I'm glad I'm chained to Caesar's guard because I'm winning them to Christ. Man, here's Paul. He ain't sitting there thinking, man, here I am in jail. I'm chained to this Roman soldier. He's saying, Roman soldier, you're fixing to meet Jesus. And at the end of the letter, he says, the the household of Caesar greets you, the people he won to Christ. Paul did not look at that as a hindrance. He looked at it as an opportunity. Friends, listen. Paul saw his life as a living sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. You know what? We ought to not look at COVID as a problem. We ought to look at the COVID, what it did, opens the door to. We ought to not look at all the things we see as a problem. You know, today, we, we are devastated by the political atmosphere of America. And that ain't going to stop the gospel. It stops you. <laughs> it ain't going to stop Jesus. It has stopped the church. Because all we do is sit here and complain about all of our political rights that we don't have no more and how bad it is and the Democrats are ruining everything. We had a Christian utopia until they showed up and the progressives have taken away our wonderful Christianity. That ain't what took away your wonderful Christianity. The lack of witnessing, the lack of willing to suffer, the lack of willing to endure the lack of looking at your life as a surrendered vessel to go forth for the gospel. Because, friends, if you're not willing to embrace these burdens, you can forget experiencing the blessings that the gospel brings. Because when you start witnessing to your neighbor, your neighbor's going to change his attitude towards you. They had a big party on our street last night. They had music. They had partying. And everybody on the street was invited but me and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because they know I don't agree with what they do. I love them. I pray for them. I'll do whatever they need. If they need help, I'll be over there at the next door. But I'm going to tell you what I ain't going to do. I ain't going to tell them what they did over there last night. Glorified Jesus I ain't going to tell them that it's all right to name yourself a Christian and sing karaoke all night and keep the rest of the world up. (laughs) Now, we laughed. We went to bed last night. I bet they're going to feel good in the morning. And we even thanked Jesus. Lord, thank you that I don't have to have hangovers no more. (laughs) I ain't putting down on it. They need Jesus. But I'm going to tell you what. At first, they called me pastor. We had this meeting. We had this thing that's called a how, uh, uh, um what's it called a, social, a housing association, and they were fighting like lost people do, and they were trying to have power. they wanted me to be the president. I said I ain't gonna be the president of this. I moved here to get away from this kind of mess. When I leave church, the last thing I want is conflict with more humans. I got enough of that at church. The last thing I want to do is try to lead humans. I got to try to lead them at church. When I come here, this is my sanctuary. This is my home. This is where me and my wife get in our castle and shut the gate and deepen the moat. (laughs) So I went to their meeting and they're arguing. And I was sitting there. I couldn't take it no more. And I said, finally, I said, look, I said, God ain't never going to bless this. It ain't none of my business except that I got an equal share in this with y'all. But I think we need to pray. And I think we need to ask God to forgive us. And I think some of us need to look at one another and forgive one another. Because if we can't change the way we're acting, you can forget God blessing this home association. Of all the places in America, when we come here, this is the last place we ought to be fighting. We ought to be in conflict. We ought to be neighbors. We ought to be loving for one another. We ought to be helping one another. I said, this is the problem. And I said, you know what? I love y'all, but I ain't going to have nothing to do with this. This is the way the association is. Y'all, I'm going to pray for us if that's all right. And I want to have the next meeting at my house. And everyone's welcome. I'm going to fry fish. Everyone's going to come. And we're going to gather. We're going to sit in my shop. And we're going to together pick new leaders and pick a new president i ain't a candidate and pick a new this and we're going to get a new treasurer and we're going to let bygones be bygones if that ain't what y'all want to do just let me know now i said now i'm going to pray for us and then i'm going to leave and when i leave i said y'all do what god's telling y'all to do and make up and i prayed the gospel you ever pray one of them gospel witnessing prayers Lord, I thank you that even though we're sinners deserving hell, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And I thank you that even though we don't deserve fellowship with you, you made a way that we could be forgiven. And Lord, if we're Christians and we claim to be Christians here, we ought to not act the way we should. And Lord, thank you for my neighbors. Help us to love one another the way you have loved us. Help us to forgive one another the way you have forgiven us. And when I quit, they were... And I said, see y'all at the meeting. And I drove off. I didn't even get home good. One of them called and said, thank you. Thank you. You brought something I haven't seen. I've lived there over 15 years, and we've never had that happen. People hugged and people made up. And about half of them came to the meeting and were wanting to do right. But you know what? The ones who didn't come to that meeting don't have nothing to say to me no more. When I ride past their house, they act like they're busy. (laughs) If you are going to be a representative of God and be a faithful messenger, you are going to be bringing light into darkness and it is going to expose things they don't want exposed. It is going to upset the devil. It's going to upset the people who want to live for the devil. And if you're not willing to carry that burden this morning, forget people getting saved on a regular basis. Because guys, not only did Paul experienced all of these burdens and they're burdens I'm here to tell you as a preacher you get discouraged you get burdened you want to quit you say why should I preach another sermon Lord they don't even listen but you keep preaching why for the one who will listen which was one of us one day if we're saved you see why did Paul endure all this Paul endured all these things, he told Timothy in chapter 2, for the sake of the elect. <laughs> I don't know who they are. But you know what? I just kept doing what I told you and my neighbors. I tell them about Jesus. I told them about God changing my life. They all drink. They all drink every time I see them. They come to my house and say, you can drink on my yard, just don't get drunk. I don't have to do that no more. I've been delivered. I've been set free. God gave me a new life. I don't have to get drunk to cope. I don't need dope. I got Jesus. I tell him that. Aaron came to our house one day, had a beer in his hand. He said, I know you're a preacher. Does this upset you that I drink this beer? If it does, you just let me know. I'll turn around and go mine. He said a word that I can't say in church, home. I said, No, you stay, and I said the word back. Here. You're welcome. Hang out in my shop. Just don't act stupid. You know what? Last night, the only other person on our block that didn't go to the party, <laughs> Aaron said, you going over there? I said, I ain't invited. He said, I am, but I ain't bringing my baby over there with all that smoking and drinking and fussing. He stayed home with his wife. Friends, I don't know about y'all. Why did that happen? Because one day, I believe Aaron walked in aisle here and got a taste of Jesus And I believe there could be more. We don't know who they are. But friends, listen, you've got to keep telling your neighbor. You said, well, he don't like me to tell him. Keep telling him anyway. Paul said, preach the word in season, out of season. Tell it when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. Because see, they'll all tell you they're a Christian. And they'll all tell you they've been baptized. And they all got a membership in church. But they don't want to hear the word of God preached in truth. They don't want to hear the whole counsel of God's word. They want to just hear the good stuff. And friends, listen, we got to tell them everything. And friends, Paul continually shared the good news even when he had to suffer from afflictions and endure all that stuff. But guys, let me tell you something. Paul's greatest blessings was this. Who's he writing a letter to? A young preacher that got saved from him, preaching named Timothy who Paul's been investing in and preaching in and sharing in. And now Paul is able to give his ministry to Timothy. And he tells Timothy, listen to the words of sound doctrine that I have taught to you, and you go find other men who will be faithful and let them give it away also. You see, healthy preachers produce other preachers. Healthy Sunday school teachers produce other Sunday school teachers. Healthy deacons' ministries produce deacons. Healthy churches produce other members. And friends, listen, we do it by teaching and sharing and exemplifying the Word of God. Friends, just the other day, and I'm going to shut up, I had something come up, and I wasn't able to teach on Wednesday. And Richard, since I came here, when I first came, had just started teaching Sunday school and he's out today so I can say this and it won't puff him up unless y'all go tell him but when Richard came he was real new to to teaching he was very nervous about it and he was so afraid he was going to say something and he was just really just reading the book (laughs) you ever been in a Sunday school class like that they just read you the book and they don't say nothing they don't study they don't get and sit and just teach the word of God and I said, Richard, man, you've got to do more than just take that quarterly and read it to them. you got to get along with God. you got to ask God to give you insight. You need to come with something to say, and you got to be able to say it in a way that they know it ain't just you, that God's been with you, and you've been with God, and God has showed you this, and you're excited to give it to them. If you're not passionate about it, they're not going to be passionate about it. If you ain't found something new, they're never going to find something new. you got to bring them the Word of God. He said, how do you do that? And I said, man, look at all these books. I mean, they don't just fall from the sky. So I started showing him books. He said, where would you get that? So he bought him a theology, systematic theology book. He bought him some commentaries. You know what he told me about three months later? He said, you have ruined me. He said, I can't just now wait to Saturday and read my quarterly through and go and sit and read it back to him. He said, by Monday, I'm already burdened to know what it says. And I get in it. And before long, I, I realize there's so much more than what it says that I find something new and I find a little bit more. And I dig a little deeper and I get something a little bit better. And before long, he said, man, I got so much to say, I don't even know how I'm going to have time to say it. I know I'll have that every Sunday. See, that's what happens when we study. And friends, as I have invested in Richard and just share with him and show him just what God has showed me, Richard has applied that. And just a couple Wednesdays ago, Richard was going to share for me. And I didn't think I was going to be there. And then at the last minute, I was going to be able to be there. So not only did I show up, I brought Kyle with me. And Richard's like panicking. Man, you're going to make me preach in front of Kyle and you? Man, I'm, he, I, I, I'm scared to do that. I, don't, I, I feel uncomfortable to preach in front of two preachers. I said, Richard, you preaching in front of Jesus. <laughs> so, man, he got up there and he was nervous. But his content was unbelievable. His insight, the things that God showed him, it was just blessing me so much what he pulled out of that text. And every time he gets up there, his delivery gets a little bit better. His presence and his ability to share gets a little bit better. And you know what I told him? I said, man, you're getting so good, brother. You're almost ready for Sunday morning. <laughs> That's what it ought to be happening. You know, in your Sunday school class, there should be people that if they're sitting under you and you're teaching the word of God, they should be stepping up. They should be sharing insights, too. They should be getting hungry for the word of God when you go in there on Wednesday nights. If you expect those kids to ever get to the point where they say, I need to receive Jesus as my Savior, it's going to take some burdens. It takes going in there, being prepared. Yes, they drive you crazy, but you've got to accept it. It's suffering for the greater. If you're not willing to accept the blessing of sacrifice, if you're not willing to endure the affliction of commitment, You're never going to get to see the blessings that the gospel produces. I don't know about y'all, but I'm preaching today for Jesus. Whatever happens here is between Jesus. What you do with it is between you and him. I hope that you would realize the importance of God's word. You know, everybody's, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with that? Are you going to find us a, Nursery coordinator, are you going to find us this? You know what? I promise you one thing. All I can promise you is this. I'm going to come in here every Sunday preaching God's word. I'm going to show myself someone who's rightly dividing it. As best I can, I'm going to live my life where I know I'm approved by God and I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to preach the word of God in season, out of season. Sometimes it's going to get long. Sometimes it's going to be short. Not very often. But I am going to preach God's word. That's all I'm supposed to do. You know who's supposed to do all this servicing and all this ministry? You. My job is to teach you, to show you, to be an example to you. When Paul got ready to leave, not only did he have um, Timothy to give his ministry to, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. He had Luke who had been with him said nobody's with me right now but Luke the gospel of Luke who wrote the book of Acts Luke where do you think he got that idea he watched the greatest author in the New Testament Paul write 13 other books he said go get Mark for me he's useful for me for ministry and because of Paul's influence on Mark because of what Jesus done in their lives we have the gospel of Mark you see friends what you invest what you do in another person's life bears fruit back and that's what the world needs to see over and over you see him talking about look here Timothy the saints greet you so and so greet you he had fruit at the end of his life people that he could name you say well golly it ain't but about 10 of them actually it's nine the apostle Paul only had nine people that he could list that he could write besides Timothy Luke, he only had nine people. Well, how many people do you have? How many people has your life influenced? How many people are you going to be able to say because of what Christ did in and through me because I've been his faithful messenger? Guys, he'll save anybody. It ain't the messenger. It's the message. So I want to encourage you to share the word of God. There's things happening all around us every day. You know, there's something that may happen on the end of Cook's Road. We've been going down there for years. We don't know what's going to happen, but they say that they're going to bring a lot of homeless people in there. Well, I hate to tell some of you this, but God died for homeless people on the cross too. And he cares just as much for homeless people as everybody sitting in here this morning. And if you just take it in your mind to go against that, you may very well be going against the kingdom of God in the plan of Jesus Christ because the kingdom of God, Paul went anywhere and everywhere preaching the gospel. You see, what they need down there is a church that believes in the gospel enough, that loves Jesus enough to walk right into the midst of that darkness and say we came with the light and the love of Jesus. That's what the gospel is here for. That's what the church is here for. We're not here to make this a better community. We're here to save lost people out of a fallen community. And friends, you know, we have got the church so far from what the primary purpose is. Today, maybe you are saved. Maybe you're not. But friends, unless you come to Jesus, you're never going to be saved. But I'm preaching to the saved here this morning. If we ever want to see this filled up completely, it's not going to happen because of what I do in this pulpit or what he does with that music. You know how it's going to get filled up? What you do, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, what you do with the gospel. Sheep make sheep. Shepherds don't make sheep. And God expects y'all to go out and multiply by sharing what made you a sheep in the first place, his gospel. I always want to invite you that if you want to make a commitment today to say, Lord, make me, strengthen me that I might be a messenger that you can completely preach your message with. I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and dedicate your life. Just like Paul, I'm rededicating mine today. I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a church that... Threatens hell with the good news of the gospel. I'm not here no more about us. we got to be about him. We've got to be about them. And we've got to get off this us, us. And we've got to get back to what God wants to use us for. To proclaim his truth. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this wouldn't fall on deaf ears. That Lord, someone's dull cold heart might find new life to beat in it today. That they might realize, yeah, remember when I first got saved and how excited I was about Jesus. How I was burdened for the lost and how it blessed me to share and tell people about him. But Lord, somewhere along the line, I've grown cold. Lord, I can't remember the last time I testified of your goodness. I can't remember the last lost person I shared the gospel with. But Lord, I don't want to go to see you that way. Lord, when I see you, I want to be able to be like Paul. I want to be able to know that I was fully used to share the message of the good news of the gospel. Lord, I'm asking you to help people today to have a renewed determination to endure, to suffer to be used to the furtherance of your gospel starting with me Lord starting with our staff starting with our leaders help us Lord to be burdened for the lost again in Jesus name Amen